Hello, my name is Akeem and welcome to Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends. And today I'm going to talk to you about the movie Alien. Now, in the last, I don't know, three months since I had recorded, I've made some changes to how I'm going to record and do this show. So if you like what you hear and you like what I'm doing, please like, share, and subscribe to Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends. And please leave a five-star review on whatever podcast you're listening to this on. I will start back up recording to YouTube, but right now I'm going to focus on recording audio episodes since that is the bread and butter of this podcast. And that's why I love to do it. I love to talk movies. And today I'm going to talk about the movie Alien, starring Sigourney Weaver, uh, Ian Holm. Uh, who else was in that movie? Um, John Hurt. Harry Dean Stanton, Veronica Cartwright, and Tom Skerritt. Now, Alien, um, the previous episodes that I did before this, this is going to be a bit different. I'm not just going to synopsize the movie and then talk about what, as I'm doing the synopsis, talk about what uh, I liked and didn't like about each particular thing. I'm just going to go over the beginning of the movie, then I'm going to talk about what I liked, what I didn't like, and there'll be some other features. So you'll get into what's going on pretty quickly. But to begin with, we'll talk about what happens in a movie. Now, to begin with, the movie is about the ship, the Nostromo, which is a good name. It feels a bit like Nostradamus, but it's the Nostromo, and it's a commercial ship. This is not a military ship. So the interactions being between the characters, although there is a hierarchy, it is not a military hierarchy. These are normal people just trying to make some money and go, get home. And you begin with them in hypersleep. Okay. It's a sci-fi trope. So you go, okay, well, they're sleeping in these pods. And it's sort of slow moving. But from the beginning, you get this idea of claustrophobia. It's very small. It's very cramped. These people are in close quarters. And they do a job. And they get pulled out of hypersleep sometime way too early to be at Earth. And when they get there, um, the captain says, we got this distress signal and we have to go check it out. Okay. So they go check out the distress signal. And <clears throat> there is this shipboard computer called Mother, which is a very <laughs> which is a very weird thing to call a computer, I think. I'm not really sure why it's called Mother, but it gives it a sort of ominous feel, like it's in control of everybody, which I'm sure is why they went with the choice of Mother for the ship. And you start with the main character of the piece, which is Sigourney Weaver, named Ripley. Now, Ripley is the third officer. So you have the captain, um, whose name is Dallas. And then you have the second officer, whose name is Kane. And then you have Ripley, who's number three. Then you have uh, Parker and another guy, I can't remember his name right now, who is... <clears throat> who are like the engineers. They're the grunts of the ship. And it's a huge ship for only like seven people. But, you know, the two officers are, I mean, the three officers, the grunts, you have a science officer <coughs> named Ash, played by the terrific Ian Holm. And then you have like, uh, I can't remember the, the other girl's name, but she's really not important. Most of these characters are just stock characters. Anyway, 
you have them, they, they find a stress signal, they go down to the planet, they almost crash land into the planet, but the ship is damaged and some of the scanning systems are knocked out when they crash into the planet. And when they get there, Kane gets out with Dallas and the other, the other, the female character, the other female character, they get out and they go and check out where the stress signal comes from. The stress signal comes from this giant alien ship, which they've never reached before. They find a dead alien who is a good 15, 20 feet big. And when you see, uh, what, what is it? The, the, uh, the movie, Alien, the newest one of the newest alien movies. No, Prometheus, excuse me. When you see Prometheus, you see the alien come to life and be reinstated, and you think, uh, okay, great, he's about 10 feet tall. In this movie, this thing is at least 20 25 feet big, it's huge. And you find it with a hole in his chest, and then Kane goes down and finds these eggs. And Kane does this really weird thing where he sees something living in the egg. And then he sees the egg open, and then he shoves his face into it. Well, as you would expect, there's something in it. It jumps out. It covers his face. Even though he's wearing a helmet, covers his face. They take him back. He can't get rid of it. They can't get it off. They find that it's an alien. The alien has acid blood. They try to, and then a day later, they find that, okay, great. The alien has fallen off. It's dead. Kane comes back. He says he feels fine. They go eat dinner. Kane has the most, one of the most fantastic scenes ever, which I'll discuss later. The alien bursts through his chest, <clears throat> and then they go to come find it because it's killed one of their crewmates. And they they look for it. They cannot find it. They, uh, the one guy uh, who works with Parker, um, who was played by the fantastic Yafet Koto who uh, many may remember from his villain turns in the Bond films. Uh, he goes down. Brett goes and they go down to track this thing down with this radio. I guess it's like a Doppler thing. They go. They try to track it down. They cannot track it down. They catch the cat. The cat runs away, and they don't want to keep chasing Echoes with the cat. So Brett, the other guy, the other grunt with Parker, she... Uh, tries to flee, and she has the cat. Then she finds that the alien, for some reason, and it's a bit weird in the later um, iteration of the alien, the alien is just squeezed aboard the ship, not actively trying to kill her, and that is not as violent as the alien tends to be in future iterations. So she gets a suit on, she opens up the airlock, the alien gets sucked out but clamps onto the door. She has a grappling hook thing that she shoots at the alien and knocks it off. But the alien grabs the hook and looks like he's going to pull himself back out. He ends up on one of the engines. And then she fires up the engines and sort of burns the alien away into space. Then she puts the cat into suspended animation. She gets into suspended animation and says it should be about six weeks as we float through. Somebody will find us. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Simple, bim, bam, boom. They cannot, the end, the movie ends with Ripley just floating in space in the escape pod, scarred with plenty of tissue. 
and she is not happy about what has happened to her now. So that's the movie. It's a tight thriller that takes you down a sci-fi path that really is about what happens when people get put in stressful situations, life-threatening situations, and how they're able to cope. Now, hello again. That was the synopsis. Now, what I'm going to talk about right now is what I loved about this movie. And the great thing about this movie, I know this isn't technically a horror movie, and it is October, and we're coming up on Halloween, and I'll get into more horror stuff. But what I loved about this movie is how tight and tense it is. When you start in the movie, you start with this idea that they're in space. Now, I know people don't like sci-fi. I mean, I do love sci-fi, and it's futuristic, but really, this is not a futuristic film. This is about a set of people in dire situations. And you get this sort of idea that they are all alone. It is just them. It is in the dark reaches of space. There's nothing around them. And when they wake up in this, which at the time I believe was the ideal of this sort of sterile place, but humans don't like sterility. Humans need hominess. Humans need the creature comforts and they wake up in nothing but their underwear in this cold white sterile space and you can tell that it's not comfortable and then they come together in these tiny cramped quarters you can see the size of the ship the size of the ship is huge but against the background of the the of the universe and the planets that they reach it is tiny it is minuscule and there there's nothing else about this isn't star wars where there are cruisers flying around or um, the ship is moving super fast none of that the ship moves slowly through the vast reaches of space and that emptiness as that ship goes through and there's some great model shots in this thing um this is a, obviously there's no cgi at the time <clears throat> in the early 80s so what you have is these model shots and they're dark and there's no, no bright lights. There's no big ships like Star Trek or anything like that. And even when they get to the alien ship, the alien ship is just black and slimy and cold and dark and dreary. And you can feel that and it's palpable. So when you get the alien stuck on Kane's face and uh, you get that happening, you really feel like if... This has gone super bad and there's nothing, there's nobody to turn to. It's just these people and these people already presented themselves as not particularly capable. They're out there to make money and we're not sure they're actually going to be able to do it. We don't know what they mind, why they're out there, any of that stuff. McCain has got this thing stuck to his face and you know from the moment that ass lets them into the ship, that something bad is going to happen. First off, when Kane watches that thing flutter and he gets stuck on his helmet, bad news. I don't know why they didn't blow it out of the, the airlock when it was stuck on Kane's face and and ate through his helmet. Now, this is a space helmet. <clears throat> so this can, this can beat the outer reaches of space. It can protect the human from that, but it can't protect the human from this face sucker this face hugger, as they are called. So when that happens and Ash is all gung-ho to it, then 
I don't know. There's something very disconcerting. The other thing is when you get into it, it's not really about the alien. It's about how people deal with a crisis and usually not well. You've got this alien scurrying around and people are just throwing ideas out. And you have this malevolent force of Ash, the android, who is actively just trying to bring it back. And when you get to the climax, when Ripley finds out that Mother knows what it, what's going on, the, the, the computer, Mother knows what's going on and what's happening and is trying just to get this egg sac back, this, this creature back for the company, this no-name company in the future. I just want to get it back. And that Dallas knows about it. And Ash definitely has access to Mother, and he knows about it. And Ash and the directive literally says, bring back a sample. The crew is expendable. And when Ripley finds that out and Ash tries to kill her, it's a moment of sheer dread. And you can feel it because she knows she's stuck in there. And when he reveals he's an android, she knows that she can't win. And Ian Holm, he throws her around and he and he beats her up and he tries to murder her. And luckily, Parker and Lambert come back and they fight off Ash and they kill. Well, he's a he's an android. They they take off his head. And even then, Ash is still coming. So not only do they have the big predator, they have this other predator trying to kill them and trying to stop them and just trying to bring this creature back to the company. At that moment, you know Ripley's really up against it. You also know that the likelihood of all three of the actual humans that are left at that point, of them surviving, is almost none. That thing is coming, and that thing is going to come get it. Also, you can tell that this thing isn't made on a super high budget. So a lot of the shots are very tight and in close and facial shots. And they're trying to get this thing done. They're trying to tell this story in such a tight, beautiful way. And the windows that they're shooting it in and how desperate you can see Ripley is to survive and how the others are just scared and they're trying to get through what is essentially a close set it's a, bottle, it's a bottle episode, as Jeff Winger would call it. And you just are trying to get out of this thing and stay alive. And they're all making poor decisions. But in the end, they are almost realistic in how poor they are because you can't fault them for being in way over their heads. They don't know why they're out there. They don't know how to get rid of this thing. They don't know how to fight it. They keep coming up with ideas. Those ideas don't work. Like a lot of ideas. They don't work, but in the end, they're trying their best and they all get killed off except for Ripley. Now, the terror comes in because you know something is behind Ash's eyes and Ian Holm gives a lot in these moments. He pretends like he's trying to help. He pretends like he is just doing what he needs to do to save other humans, but in the end, he just wants to get his hands on this alien. This alien that stuck itself to Kane's face and then burst out of his chest. Now, I know that John Hurt is famous for this scene when the alien bursts through his chest. It is one of the most shocking things. If you've never seen Alien, it is one of the most shocking things you will ever see. When <clears throat> that alien bursts out of his chest while they're eating, 
and then scurries off. I had a friend of mine said, oh, is that like uh, the movie Spaceballs where the alien bursts through the chest and then sings a song as the guy's sitting there laughing? And they had never seen Alien. So I said, yeah, it's exactly that, except for this happened in 1979 and Spaceballs came out in, I think, 1986. So, it's yes, it is like that scene in Spaceballs, except for much more gory, much scarier, and just awful. Just awful. The scene in Spaceballs is definitely paid for laughs. But if you had seen that scene in Spaceballs, this is exactly the same thing that happens to John Hurt, except for, of course, it bursts through his chest bloodily. And I'm watching the scene while they're trying to take the face hugger off, and it wraps his tongue, I mean, his tail around John Hurt's neck and grips on tighter as it's injecting whatever is injecting into John Hurt's face. And I think one of the things in my life that scares me more than anything is something clapping onto my face and injecting itself into my body. There are parasites on this planet that are real, that are super scary, and that, you know, just having another living being living inside you and feeding off you is just a nightmare. That's impossible to believe that that can happen. But it does happen. This is just uh, another way to do it. Also, I don't understand how they couldn't tell that that thing was injecting itself into John Hurt's body when he did the body scan. Those scanners must really suck. Or they knew and they just didn't care. That's just one of those things. It's that faceless corporation who just is down for whatever it can to increase its profits and everybody's expendable. There's a dread of that in the 70s, just like there's a dread of it today. So those are the things that I loved about this movie. Um, there are plenty of things I did not care for, but we'll get to that in the next session. Now, in the last portion, and welcome back, it is <clears throat> what I do not care for in this movie. Now, this is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I started watching it. I've seen it several times, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And what struck me so much is how little agency the two female characters, Ripley and Lambert, have. Lambert is literally, a, uh, she has nothing going on. She is scared. She is just wallpaper. For the other characters, they bounce off her. She really doesn't say much. She's literally just there to be another female on this crew. And when things happen, she freezes up. She has no inner strength. And she is just a damsel in distress who, in this instance, does not get rescued. Lambert really is just an ineffectual person who thought she was on an easy ship and ended up getting killed. She isn't rescued by Parker in the end. And when she's faced with the alien, she falls to pieces. And that's juxtaposed to Ripley, who Ripley has some inner fire to herself. She has some fire in her belly. But in the end, she also sort of freezes up when things get bad. Now, the other thing that I really don't like in this movie is the high level of misogyny. Um, Ripley is our main female character, and she gets sort of shunted to the side. And when things go wrong and when things get bad, it starts out with the men in the film just treating her like she's a piece of meat 
Uh, she gets back a little bit, but in the end, she sort of lets it go and sweeps it on the rug. This is obviously set in the future, so I don't know what happened in their Me Too movement, but it didn't happen there, apparently. So, <clears throat> Ellen Ripley, as we come to find out, is not just a pushover. But when push comes to shove in this thing, unlike in the later movies, when it gets physical, she just gets beat up. And the scene of Ian Holm throwing her around the room is disturbing uh, to the max, it is, to the nth degree. It is highly disturbing to see a grown man, even though he's shorter, and and um, and but he's stockier and he's more powerful than Sigourney Weaver is, it is extremely disturbing to see him throw her around the cockpit. And in the end, when he goes to to try to murder her, all he does is roll up a magazine and shove it in her mouth, which, let's, let's face it, isn't an effectual way to, to murder somebody. I'm not really sure how that's supposed to work. I know he's an android, but is he going to shove the, the magazine down her throat? because she still has her nostrils open, so she can still breathe. Is she gonna break her jaw? Not, and not even to mention the <laughs> phallic symbol of the magazine going into her mouth, which is even too Freudian for me to go into. So <laughs> it's, she's laying on her back and he's shoving this thing in her mouth. It is uh, a sight to see. And she's just sort of flailing about with her hands, uh, unable to fight him off until the big strong man of Parker, played by, again, as I said, the fantastic Yafet Koto, <laughs> played by him, um, he knocks the android's head off. Also, there's a lot of sort of titillation. Um, Ripley, in a couple of scenes, especially when she's slipping into the um, suit, to eject the alien off the escape pod, Ripley is in a tank top and the tiniest set of underwear. And I don't really think that that would be what you would wear if you were on a spaceship, a mining ship, working um, on loaders and things. I'm just not sure that is the best thing for that person to wear. Although, you know, Sigourney Weaver does look great at the time. I'm not so sure that that's a signal that we sent our young ladies that no matter what you're doing, if you're mining on in deep, dank, cold weathers and jumpsuits, you should wear the thinnest, smallest thong that you possibly can. So I'm pretty sure that's not really how you want to do it. Um, other than that, you know, there's some editing issues. There is some model shots that aren't particularly great. But in the end, you know, it's a good film. Would I recommend it to somebody? I would. I mean, I think it's interesting to see how visual effects uh, were a long time ago. Uh, uh, you can see exactly how they made things and how you were trying to get the scope of the, and the energy of how different it was back in the late 70s and how people really try to express these things visually, express the danger and the hopelessness and how scary uh, being in flight in, the, in space, it really is. 
because I know it seems glamorous and seems uh, interesting, but really it is super scary. And you know, in the end, this was a good movie. It was worth a watch. It's a little slow as well. The pacing in the beginning, nothing really happens for about an hour. And then we meet the alien and grabs his face and then we're off to the races, which can be a good way to see it. Can also can be a terrible way to see it. Now it's ratings on Rotten Tomato. It had a 98%. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. And on IMDb, it's rated at an 8.5 out of 10. So people who have watched this really enjoyed this movie. And so did I. So if you want to give it a watch, I think you'll really enjoy yourself. It's also pretty scary, although the, the other ones are much scarier. And as I always say, watch if you want. Don't blame me if you do. Now, if you like what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a five-star review on whatever podcast you listen to this on. And enjoy. Thank you so much for listening, and you have a great day. Yeah.